Hello and welcome to ASIC View, the official ASIC podcast. On today's episode, we'll be discussing ASIC's recent actions around unlicensed financial advice in relation to self-managed super funds, in particular, the recent Park Trent case. My name is Andrew Williams and joining me to discuss the case and the broader issues around it is Louise McCauley, Senior Executive Leader, Financial Advisors at the Australian Securities and Investments Commission. Louise, thanks for joining me on this episode of the podcast. Thank you. Uh, For the uninitiated, what is Park Trent? And uh, tell us a bit about ASIC's investigation. This is a case we took in relation to some unlicensed advice that was being given in relation to self-managed super funds or SMSFs. ASIC doesn't regulate the provision of um, real estate advice, but where real estate is being sold on the basis that an SMSF should be the vehicle to invest in that property, then we're interested. The SMSF gives a link Um, to financial advice being provided and the law requires that um, an entity hold a license before they provide financial advice. So what was happening in this case? So Park Trent is a group of nine companies which is conducting a property investment business. It's based in Wollongong but it's a national business. A number of state-based companies which hold real estate licenses and they also have a company that holds a credit license but no financial services license. They run a business, or they, until the decision in this case, ran a business um, that spruiked property quite heavily using a number of media or a number of different ways of advertising, um, active cold calling facility, and the way that the property was sold was people were encouraged to purchase a property through a self-managed super fund. And very often this also involved the client setting up a self-managed super fund. Can you tell us a little bit about ASIC's investigation into Park Trent, both before the official investigation commenced and, and how the actual investigation processed? Yeah, We actually have a self-managed superannuation task force that looks at issues in relation to SMSFs. And one of them was... Um, the sale of property. Um, We gather a lot of information around any particular issue we're looking at through the provision of reports of misconduct and um, other market intelligence. We saw that there were a number of entities dealing with this kind of advice, including Park Trent. We started to gather information and um, have a look at Park Trent's business. We were particularly concerned about Park Trent because they were a major player in this industry with a national presence. We have some compulsory um, powers that we can use to require documents to be produced. Um, We also spoke to clients of Park Trent and we attended a Park Trent seminar. The information we gathered in that um, preliminary work indicated that it was likely that unlicensed financial advice was being provided and we decided to commence an, an official investigation. Why doesn't why would an outfit like Park Trent need a license in this case? What 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 uh, protections does a, a license provide? So the law requires um, that entities that are, or individuals in fact who are providing financial advice comply with a number of obligations which are designed to ensure that proper advice is given to consumers. So it's a whole you know consumer protection regime. So um, the advisors have to be qualified and have a certain level of education. They have to be supervised by a licensee which has obligations um, 
around uh, having a proper business structure in place that supervises the advice that is given, that has professional indemnity insurance. The advisors themselves have to obtain a certain amount of information from their clients and understand the client's financial position relevant to the type of advice they want and then do a proper analysis of what um, products or strategy might be appropriate and then provide that to clients in a written format called a statement of advice. So there's quite a strict and detailed regime in place for the purposes of providing protection to consumers who are retail customers who are being provided with personal advice, that is advice which is structured to their personal financial circumstances. So anyone in this case that's recommending that people use their self-managed super funds to buy a property obviously would need to be licensed because that's a significant financial decision for anybody yep. to make. Yeah, that's correct. Just tell us a little bit more about um, how the actual investigation progressed. Um, Well, what we were looking at, what we were focusing on in the investigation was whether or not the recommendations that were being made by Park Trent um, to their clients to invest in a non-financial product, so in property, um, but by a self-managed super fund constituted financial product advice. That was the heart of what we were concerned about. So again, we used our information gathering tools. We served notices on Park Trent to um, produce further documents. We conducted some compulsory examinations of a number of Park Trent employees using powers that we have under the ASIC Act. And the idea of these investigations was to give us insight into the company's business model and how the companies within the group operated. We went to a number of seminars, and these are one of Park Trent's main marketing tools. Uh, we looked at the information that Park Trent had on its website, its Facebook page, YouTube clips. We um, made inquiries with a very large number of Park Trent clients who spoke about their experiences with Park Trent. We took a sample of those clients, and we had spoken to whose stories represented the experience of Park Trent clients as a whole, and we put their stories into writing in the form of signed witness statements, which we could use in the litigation, and we selected clients from around the country to be representative of the business. We got statements also from three accountants who were used by Park Trent to set up the client's self-managed super funds. Once we and our barristers were satisfied, we had sufficient evidence to establish the case we were trying to prove. We filed proceedings in the New South Wales Supreme Court, and that was in November 2014. So after the investigation and and the court case, what what was the judge's findings in in the Park Trent matter? Well, the judge handed down his decision at the end of October 2015. And what he found is that for over five years, Park Trent had been unlawfully carrying on a financial services business by providing advice to clients to purchase investment properties through an SMSF. So essentially the judge found that Park Trent should have held an Australian financial services licence over that whole period. He made subsequently made some orders. The first one was a declaration that Park Trent had been engaged in this unlawful conduct. He also granted a permanent injunction against Park Trent, which meant means that they cannot in the future continue to carry on business in the way that they have advising clients to purchase properties through a self-managed super fund. And then the third order was requiring Park Trent to post a notice on its website outlining the orders that had been made as a result of this case. Why is this a 
significant uh, case. Tell us a little bit about what this this case means for the industry at, at large and, and the SMSF space. Well, there's a very clear statement by the judge um, that anyone recommending or facilitating the use of self-managed super funds as a way of investing in property will need to have an Australian financial services licence. And that means they'll need to provide appropriate advice that's in the client's best interest and that prioritises the client's interests over those of the advisors. Um, And this sends a real message to property spruikers who are recommending that people invest in property through their self-managed super funds or even facilitating such investments that if they don't have a license, then they're breaking the law. Just going back to one of the, uh, I guess, the key factors behind this, for anyone who is uninitiated in terms of what what an SMSF is, a term they would have heard a lot during this podcast, can you just tell us a little bit about what a self-managed super fund actually is and I guess what it entails for someone to maintain? Sure. Um, So it's a, a superannuation fund, which is a special type of trust. It's set up and it's maintained for the sole purpose of providing retirement benefits to its members. Um, So self-managed super funds are particular vehicles that um, have fewer than five members and all of the members are are also trustees. So in a sense, they're a, a person's personal superannuation fund or the superannuation fund for their family. So they're not one of the large APRA-approved superannuation fund. Self-managed super funds are primarily overseen by the ATO. ASIC's role is to regulate the gatekeepers, so those who provide advice and services to the trustees of self-managed super funds. So, for example, financial planners, accountants, um, the auditors who are required to audit self-managed super funds annually. In order to establish a self-managed super fund, a trust must be created um, with trustees, identifiable beneficiaries and an investment strategy. And this is key to the operation of the self-managed super fund. And investments must be made in accordance with that strategy. And the investment objectives and the type of investments that the fund can make must all be geared toward providing retirement benefits for the members. Can you tell us about some of the advantages and disadvantages of self-managed super funds? Yeah, many people like to use self-managed super funds because they can control their own investments. They, They feel that they have control over their destiny. Depending on the overall balance in each self-managed super fund and the time and ability that a trustee has to devote to the self-managed super fund, the costs of running one can be lower than the costs of investing in an APRA-approved superannuation fund. However, it is that very investment of time and skill that means that SMSFs are not for everyone. For example, not only do you have to make your own investment decisions or seek your own advice in relation to them, you also have to set up your own um, life and other insurances through the fund. If money is lost through fraud, then there's no government-backed compensation scheme available as there would be through other funds that are approved by APRA. Tell us about uh, what else ASIC is doing in in this, this space at the moment. Another thing we've been concerned about over the past several years in relation to self-managed super funds um, is the advertising that some um, entities have engaged in, particularly where there are statements which we think are misleading or deceptive. Um, Particularly, we've been looking at 
statements that are made across social media. We've taken action in relation to a number of licensees who have put statements up on websites or Facebook pages which about SMSFs which are inaccurate. We've got a power um, to issue an infringement notice which involves the payment of a fine of about $10,000. Louise, really appreciate your time on the podcast today. Thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure. We'll continue to bring you more stories from and around ASIC in the weeks to come. Thanks for listening. Thank you.